0: And the Y'all Show back with you. hope you all have had a great day thus far. We've got a lot of stuff to get to on this Thursday edition. The General of all things Southern, John Rawl, is my name. Great to have you aboard, and let's pin that commission upon your chest and make you part of the Y'all Army or or Navy or whatever branch of service you want to be a part of. Just glad to have you. We'll all be in the Y'all Space Force. How does that sound for sound here on a Thursday. Sounds great to me. To infinity and beyond, that would be our battle cry here, but we're going to do it with a southern accent. That's what we do here on this program. We give you all the news, all the opinion, all the other exciting things of the day through the eyes of the south with a southern lens, you could say, and we're going to do that right here. we got headlines coming in, the third Republican debate held on Wednesday evening in Miami, we've got a couple of highlights of that that we'll be playing here in just a second. That, a big story from Wednesday, and you know, the leading presidential contender on the Republican side skipped out on that debate, the third that he skipped out on, and he wasn't there on NBC News' coverage of this Republican debate. Donald Trump had his own rally just down the road in Hialeah, Florida. We've got some audio from that that we'll be sharing too as Trump in, I won't say rare form, but he was getting back to the more exciting Trump form, I thought. I really did. And maybe part of that is because he was introduced on stage by Sarah Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, and Trump likes to see people that he's familiar with, especially go out of their way for him. And she flew in from Little Rock specifically to give him her endorsement for president in 2024. And Trump took that and had a lot of celebs in the audience. At one point, he even started rattling off all those names in the audience. Some of them, I, I really, I'm not that familiar with. I think I think he might have even had a wrestler there or, or, or a, a WWE-type guy. It might have been the the other type of deal where they beat up each other without boxing gloves. Uh, I think he had one of those types of folks there and man, he might have even had a rapper there in the audience. It was a, it was a wild crowd and Hialeah. We've got audio from that that we'll be playing for you in our second hour of today's y'all show as we have more political coverage. Also want to let you know that the actor's strike has officially ended. We've got information on the deal that the studios and the actors worked out. So if you've got a, a favorite type of actor that's been goofing off here lately, maybe even picketing. We'll give you the latest on that story from Hollywood. Also tragedy in Florida as two more endangered Florida Panthers have been killed by vehicles in South Florida. We've got information coming in. From the wildlife officials of the state of Florida to tell you about the Mississippi River. You know, Hank Williams Jr. once sang the Mississippi River. She's a-goin' dry. Well, she just she just might be. As the river once again recorded its second year in a row of record lows. And we've got info coming in from the Old Man River to tell you about in our headlines across the South today. Plus, we've got a, a little bit of info from the state of Louisiana John Bell Edwards is about to wrap up his tenure as governor of the Pelican State, and he's done something this week that makes a lot of sense. Maybe other southern governors should pay attention to the outgoing chief executive of Louisiana. We'll tell you what that is in our headlines today as we work our way across the southeast. Also, in this first hour, in addition to filling you in with all the good headlines, we've got a Nashville Entertainment Report. It was a big night in Music City Wednesday as the CMA Awards were held. And our girl, Lainey Wilson, I'm going to go ahead and give you the the, the title, Lainey, of our girl because she's a Southern girl, and she's about as Southern as Southern can be in the modern-day Nashville, the slick Nashville that it is. And Lainey Wilson won big time, and I'm going to tell you about not only her winnings but the others that picked up awards at the annual CMA Awards that Mr. Peyton Manning, and Luke Bryan co-hosted on ABC on Wednesday evening. We've got those headlines, plus Kenny Chesney announcing a new tour for 2024. What's this all about? Is he trying to give Morgan Wallen, his fellow East Tennessean, a run for the money? We've got that, plus an update on Bruce Willis. He's really in a tough battle, and we've got some news coming in on that famous actor's condition. That's coming up here in our entertainment report, mostly with a music city scene. All that is ahead, plus in this opening hour, we've got a quick look at some some political news and more information on that Republican debate that was held on Wednesday. We've got that coming up in this opening hour. As we go forward in today's y'all show, we've got headlines, we've got information on some great festivals taking place across the southeast we have our annual our our, our weekly i should say weekly look at great festivals taking place this very weekend and today i'm going to tell you about the sugar plum festival going down this weekend how about the bourbon county festival we have info on that and then in austin they're gathering for the texas book festival all that will be chronicled as we have that report coming in today's y'all show We also will have later on in the program, Kiefer Ingalls dropping by. Kiefer is going to break down the big college football games in the South and beyond. There's a big game between the hedges this weekend. We'll tell you about that one. College game day making its way to the Classic City for the Dogs as they get ready to host a pretty good little opponent coming from the SEC West. We'll have all that broken down for you. And then we'll also break down what's going on in the ACC, SEC, and Conference USA, even a little American conference talk, as well as some FCS activity. We do a nice little blend of talking college football and Kiefer Ingalls, the pigskin prognosticator, when he drops by on Thursdays here on the Y'all Show. All that plus a little social media fun. I'm going to tell you about a photo that was just shared about the guy that just lost out for governor in the state of Kentucky, Daniel Cameron. We will have some discussion about what some knucklehead is putting out on social media about the Attorney General of Kentucky, although he won't be after his term comes to an end pretty dang soon. All that right here on today's Y'all Show. To be involved, we encourage you to text us anytime on our Anytime text line, 615-208-4184. Also, you can email us here at the program, our email address to reach out to us here at the you is M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. It's a very, very easy way for you to get in touch with what we have going on on the show that truly is shaking up the Southland. All right. The big news on the political front from Wednesday was that the five second place people were gathered in Miami for the third Republican debate. And that was held in Miami Wednesday evening. On stage, Ron DeSantis, Governor of Florida, former South Carolina Governor and former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, as well as entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, South Carolina's U.S. Senator Tim Scott on stage, and the former Governor of the State of New Jersey, Chris Christie. As Lester Holt, Kirsten Walker, and Hugh Hewitt Hugh Hewitt, were the moderators for this third Republican debate that went two hours on NBC and I think overall I think it was a rather uh, it it didn't from what I'm gathering from the pundits and more this third Republican debate did not change anything it's still a battle for the silver medal it's a battle for second place it's a battle for second place that may not even matter if you come in second place It's the second place of irrelevancy if, indeed, Donald Trump, the by far frontrunner for the Republicans, can continue to hold his massive lead and he can continue to get beyond the indictments, the controversy of having all these indictments. And it looks like, based on what we saw on Wednesday evening in the Republican debate, it might not be that hard for Trump to get past that because these candidates – rarely other than chris christie at the beginning they rarely took shots at the front runner and until they knock off president trump from his possibility of even being the republican nominee then they're wasting all of our time because they got to they got to beat him before they can go take joe biden to task and so that's what was going down in miami on wednesday now meanwhile president trump skipped out on this debate, his third such debate that he skipped out on. And you have to wonder, is it really hurting him? I don't think it is. I mean, you look at how his poll numbers have grown. My goodness, he's now leading Joe Biden. In most cases, he's leading in head-to-head matchups in some of the critical swing states out there. And so, no, he's, he's, he's doing I don't know who he's got advising him. Probably no one, knowing Donald J. Trump, or if if anybody's advising him, he's likely not listening. But President Trump, not at the third Republican debate, and he had a big rally just down the road from the debate site in Miami in Hialeah, which I think is a major Cuban immigrant city from what I remember. And remember in the 2020 election Trump did extremely well in the state of Florida and he doesn't it seems he just doesn't have to have the the traditional path going forward to the nomination. Remember even in 2016 he skipped out on that debate in Iowa and had his own little counter thing that brought over People like Mike Huckabee. So he, he is a political genius, perhaps, Trump, in, in doing this. But back to Miami, we've got now some audio that we want to play for you. Some of the highlights from the third Republican presidential debate that went down Wednesday. Here is Lester Holt asking Ron DeSantis a question, and then we'll pick it up. These are multiple highlights that we'll share with you, again, from Wednesday on NBC Five of the Republican people trying to get the second place trophy, duking it out on stage. Governor DeSantis, let me begin with you on this one. Speak to Republican voters who are supporting Donald Trump. Why should you and not him be the Republican nominee to face Joe Biden a year from now? Now, if you look where we are now, it's a
1: lot different than we were in 2016 and Donald Trump's a lot different guy than he was in 2016. He owes it to you to be on this stage and explain why he should get another chance. He said Republicans were going to get tired of winning. Well, we saw last night, I'm sick of Republicans losing. You know, everybody wants to talk about President Trump. Well, I can talk about President Trump. I can tell you that I think he was the right president at the right time. I don't think he's the right president now. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. Is it a cancer the Republican? Establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronald McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. As president of the United States, what would you be urging Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to do at this moment, Governor DeSantis? I would be telling Bibi finish the job once and for all with these butchers. Hamas. The last thing we need to do is to tell Israel what to do. The only thing we should be doing is supporting them in eliminating Hamas. It is not that Israel needs America. America needs Israel. Israel has the right and the responsibility to defend itself. I would tell him to smoke those terrorists on his southern border And then I'll tell him as president of the United States, I'll be smoking the terrorists on our southern border. And what is Biden doing? Not only is he not helping the Jewish students who are being persecuted, he is launching an initiative to combat so-called Islamophobia. No, it's the anti-Semitism that's spiraling out of control. Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy. This is a country that has banned 11 opposition parties. It has consolidated all media into one state TV media arm. That's not democratic. It has threatened not to hold elections this year unless the U.S. forks over more money. That is not democratic. It has celebrated a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, a man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. That is not Democratic. I am telling you, Putin and President Xi are salivating at the thought that someone like that could become president. They would love to. The see fact that. of the matter is, she doesn't answer. So the this question. is what I will tell you.
2: We're is, driving Russia all, into China's hands because of you these
3: had
1: your time to responses.
2: TikTok is not only spyware; it is polluting the minds of American young people all throughout this country, and they're doing it intentionally.
1: In the last debate she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your else. voice. Your adult daughter. The next generation of Americans are using it.
0: All right, those are some of the highlights. Wow, getting a little tense there between the two Indian-Americans, Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. They're getting a little personal. And uh, what'd you think? What'd you think of the Republican debate? Did you have a chance to watch it on Wednesday? Maybe you were even in the audience, maybe jeering some of these folks, or perhaps you were down the road in Hialeah checking out President Donald Trump doing his thing. But the third Republican debate now in the books, they're going to have to start paying attention a little bit more to Iowa. In fact, listening to some of the pundits after the debate, they specifically mentioned that Someone like Ron DeSantis is trying to woo the Iowa caucus voter in this debate on Wednesday, where his closest competitor for second place right now, Nikki Haley, is got, you know, she's got her eye on New Hampshire and South Carolina. And she just wants to do okay in Iowa, according to the pundits that I saw. But she thinks she can win New Hampshire, and she sure thinks she can win in South Carolina. News flash to all of you out there running for president on the Republican side, at least Trump is going to Trump you in every one of these cases, even in South Carolina, where they've got not only Haley from that state, but also Tim Scott, some news about Tim Scott after the debate came to a conclusion. He walked out on stage with a woman. I believe her name is Tiffany and Tiffany is rumored to be Tim Scott's lady friend. And he has never, to my knowledge, publicly had a lady friend. So was this a stunt to get him some positive publicity in a otherwise failing bid for president? He's had a lot of money come his way, but he has been... I mean, if you rank the five people on stage right there from Wednesday, I would put DeSantis, followed by Haley, and then... I would say, hmm, I'd have to say Ramaswamy would be number three in terms of the likelihood because he did so well starting out in these debates, was really the darling of the first debate, slipping a little bit, didn't help that he brought in Haley's daughter into the conversation Wednesday, but he's still, I think, in, in third place. And then the battle for the bottom of these five would be between Scott and Chris Christie and I mean I believe Tim Scott's campaign hasn't done a darn thing, so at least Chris Christie has one thing going for him, and that's his only purpose for being there is to cut Donald Trump. So Tim Scott's got a failing campaign in my opinion, and he better he better get it together if he wants to have any kind of chance to pick up the second place trophy for 2023. One other news story to tell you about before we scoot over to Nashville for some good stuff from the CMA awards, the actor strike. It looks like it has finally come to an end as the strike is now over as actors have reached a deal with the studios and are going to return to work alongside the writers. And it's the first time in more than six months that Hollywood actors will not be on strike. The three-year contract first has to be approved by the board of the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. That would be AFTRA. But it looks like the actor strike over as the union leadership declared that the strike would end today at 12.01, putting all the parts of production back into action for the first time since the spring when this thing got going. So, ladies and gentlemen, perhaps your favorite actor or actress will be Back on the big screen soon, back to work, and making even more money, more than likely. we got more headlines that we'll be jumping into, including the death of two Florida Panthers struck on Florida highways here in recent days. We'll give you that unfortunate news of this beautiful creature that's endangered. We'll have that plus other headlines of the day. But when we come back, we're going to head to Davidson County for a Nashville Music Line report. Laney Wilson with another incredible night. We'll tell you about all the CMA Award winners plus some Kenny Chesney news that's right ahead on Y'all. song that got her really going that's Lainey wilson and her debut hit song things a man all to know and the baskin louisiana lady continues to shine and she shined in a big way on wednesday in nashville tennessee the town that she as a little girl had dreams of returning to and doing exactly what she's doing now making hits like this one Cool song. Laney, a five time winner on Wednesday in Nashville as they had the CMA Awards air on ABC. Perhaps you saw it. Here's a breakdown of the 57th annual CMA Awards as Laney won Entertainer of the Year. She got that over Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs, Carrie Underwood, and Chris Stapleton. Laney did not win the Male Vocalist Award, that went to her pal, Chris Stapleton. The Kentucky native and Vanderbilt alum as he picked that up over Cody Johnson, Luke Combs, Morgan Wallen, and Jelly Roll. Song of the Year went to Fast Car. That's the song that Luke Combs had out. A Tracy Chapman hit from the 1980s and that won Song of the Year at the Country Music Association Awards. Vocal duo of the year went to Brothers Osborne as they bested the war and treaty. Maddie and Tay, Dan and Shay, and Brooks and Dunn still nominated in that category. Vocal duo, the vocal group winner, Old Dominion, as they won that over Little Big Town, Midland, Lady Annabellum, and the Zac Brown Band. Congratulations to Old Dominion. Album of the Year, it's another Lainey Wilson Award. As her Bell Bottom Country picked up that award, besting Luke Combs, Kelsey Ballerini, Morgan Wallen and Ashley McBride's efforts, but BBC, bell-bottom country, and she loves to wear those bell-bottoms to her credit. That is the CMA Award winner. The musical event, Wait in the Truck, that's the song that she and Hardy had out. That was a big-time winner. The music video went to Wait in the Truck, too. I don't even know if I've seen that music video. That's pretty pretty sad to say, but no, that one music video over Old Dominion's Memory Lane, Ashley McBride's Light On In The Kitchen, Jordan Davis's Next Thing You Know, and Jelly Roll's Need A Favor. Speaking of Mr. J.R., Jelly Roll, the Tennessee native, won for New Artist as he picked that up over Haley Witters, Parker McCollum, Megan Moroney, and Zach Bryan. Your female winner, the CMA Female Vocalist of the Year, Lainey Wilson won that over McBride over Carly Pierce, over Kelsey Ballerini, and over Miranda Lambert. The song Fast Car, Luke Combs' version, his remake of that 1980s classic, was the single of the year, and that was a great win for him. The musician went to Janae Fleenor, as she won that over people like Charlie Worsham and Paul Franklin and others. But that's the breakdown of your 57th annual country music association awards held Wednesday in Nashville at was it Bridgestone arena. Now is where that's been moved to from the old, well, really not the old grand Ole opera house. It was out at Opryland for a long time, but now for many years now it's downtown in Nashville and a big night with Lainey Wilson, the big winner. I would say Lainey and her pal Luke Combs with his fast car remake where the Real stars of the show. In fact, those two have a connection because they got to be buds right when Luke Combs got to town. And neither one was a star at that point. Isn't it funny how a town of whatever Nashville's got, 1.5 million maybe, those two met so many years ago and here they are on top of the world in country music. Congratulations to all the winners. All those being nominated too as another awards in the books. A guy that has picked up many awards in his career is trying to get off on the right foot in 2024. Kenny Chesney, Mr. ETSU Buccaneer, has announced the Summer Stadium Tour that he's going to put out in 2024, and he's going to do this alongside the Zac Brown Band, Megan Maroney, and Uncle Cracker as he's going to headline 18 stadiums starting in August, or rather from April to August, and he's going to have these acts support him on his Sun Goes Down Tour. Kenny Chesney getting this thing going again in April. Here's a breakdown of the sites of which you can see the Sun Goes Down Tour. It starts on April 20th at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, the Bank of America Stadium, home of the Panthers in Charlotte. It's going to be where Kenny finds himself on Saturday, April 27th. He'll be in Minnesota on May 4th, and he'll be in Arlington at AT AT&T Stadium May 11th. He'll be in Atlanta, home of the Falcons, Mercedes-Benz Stadium on May 18th. And then as we get into Memorial Day weekend for 2024, he'll be at the home of the Redskins Commanders, FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland, May 25th. He'll be in Pittsburgh to start off June, then Philly, then Chicago June 15th, followed by Wisconsin. Then he'll be in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium on July 6th. And then he goes to the left coast for a couple of dates. He'll be back in Nashville August 3rd at Nissan Stadium. August 3rd is when Kenny Chesney returns to Music City. And then he'll be in Detroit, followed by East Rutherford, New Jersey, August 17th. The tour wraps at the home of the Patriots. In Foxborough is where Sun Goes Down Tour 2024 wraps up at Gillette Stadium on August 23rd. Kenny Chesney hoping to make some beautiful music as the year goes by in 2024, we wish him all the best. Now, Kenny, just make sure you got plenty of fuel in the bus or the plane or whatever you're going, because you're, you're going all over the place. I guess he's not going on a worldwide tour, but nationwide, he's staying pretty busy during that time period. Miranda Lambert, what's been going on with her lately? We haven't had any new Miranda Lambert here, music at least, lately. And she has now teamed up with... Fellow singer and songwriter and Texan, John Randall. You might remember John for the one or two hits he had. He was also briefly married to Laurie Morgan back in the mid-1990s. They even had a duet together. That's how they met. But John Randall and Miranda Lambert have now teamed up with Big Loud Records in Nashville to start a new record label called Big Loud Texas. And here's the statement from Miranda when she put this out. And I love it because she's using the word y'all. She says, get ready, y'all. We're bringing even more Texas to town. As again, Miranda Lambert, not just a part of this record label, she's on the record label as she has ended a 20-year relationship with Sony Music Nashville and has now moved over to what's called Big Loud Texas. And she's going to be the marquee act on this record label of, I won't say it's her own, because she's going to have people like John Randall a part of it, and then she's going to sign other acts. But they've partnered, she and John, on this imprint with Big Loud Records. I think that's the record label made famous originally by Toby Keith. And together with John Randall, they're going to start signing and developing artists. That's what John's going to do. He's going to serve as president of artist and repertoire for Big Loud Texas. And we'll put people in the studio, and I guess they're going to specifically be looking at Texas for some of the great acts. So check it out. A lady in country music now that's going to be the head of her own record label, which is a subset of Big Loud Records. Miranda Lambert and John Randall, congratulations on this move. We wish you both the best. Now, as we wrap up our entertainment stories of the day, I wanted to let you know about Bruce Willis. According to reports, his condition, the actor's condition is the same. And his daughter is out saying to Lula, she's saying that it's the best thing that you can ask for as unfortunately Bruce Willis, the legendary actor, has been diagnosed for some time with FTD front frontotemporal dementia is what it's called. And now Bruce Willis's daughter. Tallulah appearing on the Drew Barrymore short show here this week saying it's a really aggressive cognitive disease that's very rare it's a form of dementia that's a rather rare and she says that he's the same which is again what she says the best thing you can ask for Tallulah by the way the youngest daughter of Bruce and actress Demi Moore and they were married back from 1987 to 2000 But we wish the Willis family, including the the kids there, the best as Bruce Willis going through a tough time as many who have had issues with dementia and Alzheimer's and more go through on a daily basis or you've lost loved ones to these diseases. Just a, a tough thing, especially for a guy as beloved as Bruce Willis has been through the years. And that wraps up our entertainment look in our Nashville music line for this Thursday. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this hour with a look at some of the social media fun that's coming in. It's called hashtag hullabaloo. And we got some good stuff to tell you about, and we'll do that right after this timeout.
3: In the sand Cold drank Chilling in my right hand Watching you sleep In the evening light Resting up For a long, long night was when the sun goes down We'll be grooving When the sun goes down We're feeling alright When the sun sinks down Over the water
0: Everything gets
3: hotter
0: when the sun goes down. All right, wrapping up this opening hour of our Thursday show with a little social media fun. Just got this in. Hey, you were just talking about in the previous segment, Kenny Chesney and Sun Goes Down Tour. He's going to be on that tour with Uncle Cracker. Why don't you play a little When the Sun Goes Down? Well, caller slash text or whatever you are, we will do just that. This was a big hit for these two. The
3: sun goes down, we'll be grooving. When the sun goes down, we'll be feeling all right. When the sun sinks down over the water, everything gets hotter. When the sun goes down.
0: We're back on the y'all show as we dive onto email accounts and social media accounts and more to Find out what's going on, and we welcome text accounts. Remember, you can text The Y'all Show no matter what time of day. You can reach us here at The Y'all Show, 615 208 4184. We'd love to get your feedback. Of course, you can email us anytime, M A I L mail at you com. Remember, in 2024, as we mentioned in our Nashville Music Line report a few moments ago, Kenny and Uncle Cracker and the Zach Brown Band and a bunch of other people are going to be on this big-time tour in big-time stadiums, from Nissan Stadium in Nashville to Foxborough. They'll be in Charlotte, Atlanta. They'll be at Jerry World in Dallas and so many other places. Go to Kenny's website. He's evidently trying to make a big splash in 2024, and we wish him well. We, we sure do. Kenny Chesney. All right, let's pick up with some other social media fun to wrap up this hour. And somebody is poking fun at a guy that just went down in flames politically this week. As Daryl the Farmer is on social media, he goes by the handle at Farmer Daryl. Farmer Daryl. Daryl the Farmer. Here's what he writes in his profile. I will not follow code. Okay, well thank you for that. Daryl the Farmer has put out a picture of Daniel Cameron, the guy that is the Attorney General of the Bluegrass of Kentucky, and it's a sort of, I guess, posed photo of Daniel and his wife and his child. And Daniel's, I think in his late 30s now, a guy that studied at Louisville and also got his law degree from the University of Louisville and is serving as Kentucky's Attorney General. Well, Daniel Cameron, the Republican... Decided that he wanted to try to run for governor, and he did this week. He went up against Andy Bashir, and Daniel Cameron got soundly beat by the incumbent Bashir. And so Daryl the farmer, evidently after the election numbers came in and Cameron lost, decided to post a picture of Daniel Cameron and his family walking, having a good time, smiling. And Daryl the farmer writes, "Oh." I see why this Southern Republican from Kentucky didn't win. His smile is all wrong. I I don't know where Daryl's coming from on this. You know, one thing, when you see the photo, Daniel Cameron is a black man. He has a white wife, and then they have their their child together. And so I don't know if that's what he's referring to about his smile is all wrong. I I don't know what Daryl, the farmer, is insinuating with this post but we like to read them as they come and you know maybe he's mad that daryl uh maybe daryl's pointing out that daniel cameron's smiling and he doesn't have a lot to smile about he's out of a job he's not going to be the attorney general when 2024 rolls around and he won't be the governor of kentucky is he going to be a potential mitch mcconnell replacement in fact that's where he got his start he got a scholarship to the U of L. A Mitch McConnell scholarship. Mitch, maybe the U of L's most famous alum. And they've got a scholarship in his honor at the University of Louisville. And Cameron benefited from that and w- ended up, I think, working alongside Mitch McConnell through the years. And McConnell's running out of gas. And somebody from Kentucky is going to have to step up and run for his seat. I think Kentuckians should be, if you're a conservative, very happy with the other U.S. Senator. And the fact that they've got a very gifted, you know, I would say unusual senator with with the, uh, the doctor from Bowling Green that's uh, their other U.S. senator. But uh, I think Mitch McConnell is, you know, he's – I don't know if he's officially announced that he's not going to run, but um, it's getting – getting close if he hasn't yet announced that he's going to have to wrap up his political career soon. So you're going to have some Republicans jockeying for that role. I don't know if a guy who just got beat for governor is going to be who Republicans want in Kentucky. Daniel Cameron, though, maybe not smiling quite as big going forward. Also, a post here that I wanted to quickly bring to your attention. It comes to us from... I am better than you on social media. Is that your account? Are y'all better than than y'all? Hopefully not. But I am better than you has the account at followbackburn, at followbackburn. And it says, you have been indoctrinated since birth, the solar system over your crib, the globes in kindergarten, and that beginning of movies and so on. It's all a lie. Okay. I don't know what they've been drinking here. I am better than you. But what they what they wrote caught our attention because it starts off with our favorite word, y'all, as I am better than you on X this week has a picture of a trucker hat with the words Old Rebel Southern Bread. And it's got the battle flag in the in the uh words there, Old Rebel Southern Bread. Looks good there. But here's what they write Y'all like my new hat. Hashtag America, hashtag Southern. And hashtag Gaza, Israel, and Palestine. I don't, know, I don't know what that's all about. But, yeah, I do like your new hat. I, I don't think that would probably look all that good over in Gaza right now. Maybe not even in Israel. But, uh, yeah, we like old rebels, and we like anybody that's southern bred. And I appreciate at Follow Backburn putting that out on social media here the last few days and catching our eye and getting them a good good little ball cap to wear around Maybe the streets of Gaza if they get a chance. That wraps up our opening hour of the Y'all Show. We're going to do something a little different this week. We're going to bring Kiefer on in just a few minutes to talk about college football in our second hour. So we'll have our pigskin prognosticator get you set up for the weekend's big games. That plus more social media fun coming hour two and in hour three today. We'll take a look at some of the great festivals taking place across the region this weekend. It's all right here on the show that shakes the Southland. Hang on. And hello, welcome in to Hour 2 of this Y'all Show on this 9th of November. Hope y'all are doing wonderful across Dixie. For some of you, a little bit soggy out there, but not too chilly. And that's a good thing across the Southeast today, getting ready for maybe a big mid-November weekend. As today marks exactly two weeks until Turkey Day. So gobble up the southern goodness here on the Y'all Show. General... John Rawl, I am the Executive Commander of all things Southern, and we are just tickled that you would take time out of your busy schedule to sit back and let yours truly talk Southern. Let's talk a little Southern with you, if you don't mind. And we've got lots of Southern goodness coming up here in this hour of the Y'all Show. We've got headlines, we've got political talk to get to, we got Kiefer Ingalls about to stop by and talk college football as a big weekend again. In the South, on the gridiron, we'll break it all down here in this hour of the Y'all Show, and then we'll wrap it up with more social media fun before we turn our attention to the final hour of today's Y'all Show. If you want to get involved with the Y'all Show, mail at y a l l dot com is our way to reach out to us via email. Mail at y'all dot com, and a reminder that you can catch the Y'all Show in podcast form as we're available. On Apple iTunes, Apple Podcast, we're on Spotify, we're on the iHeartRadio app, and we're on the TuneIn app. Any of those options, you just look up Y'all Show and we're right there. A lot of you listen to us on Spotify. We sure appreciate you doing that. And any way you get us, you also can find the Y'all Show podcast at y'all.com, the South's official homepage. So thank you for being a part of our Southern fun And we look forward to bringing you great, great content each and every time that we hang out together. So the big story nationwide from Wednesday was the fact that the Republicans held their third Republican presidential debate. And it was the third consecutive time, strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out. So for the third time, the leading contender by far decided to strike out. On hosting a, a being a part of a Republican debate, as Donald Trump decided to have a counter programming event in Hialeah, Florida, Hialeah, Florida, on Wednesday, just down the road from where in Miami, the Republicans named Christie, Haley, DeSantis, Ramaswamy, and then also DeSantis all got together for that third Republican debate that was aired on NBC with Lester Holt among the host of that event, Hugh Hewitt was one of them. And then not Sarah Seidner, but Kristen Welker, I believe was the other person. The only clips I've seen has Lester Holt on there, but it was a uh, rather friendly event when it got a little contentious at time. We played a clip in hour one of maybe the most contentious event whenever Vivek Ramaswamy started talking about the former South Carolina governor's daughter, and her TikTok use uh, probably crossing a little line there but it was a event that really deep down didn't matter because the guy that's soaking up all the energy and as we found out Tuesday when the CNN latest poll numbers came in Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden by several different points in several different key battleground states states like Pennsylvania states like Michigan And even in Nevada, that's actually the state he's got the biggest poll gain. I think it's a double-digit lead over Joe Biden in a potential head-to-head matchup in that state. The only battleground state that Joe Biden has an edge over Donald Trump at this point is Wisconsin. So knowing that, that these contenders up there on this third Republican debate stage, their biggest push is that elect us because we don't have the baggage like Donald Trump has, and we can win, unlike Donald Trump, who turns off so many people. Well, if these poll numbers are accurate, Trump can win, which helps show that this debate that we saw Wednesday on NBC was completely maybe a waste of time. So what did Donald Trump do about it? As I said, he gathered thousands of people in the suburb of Miami known as Hialeah and had a big Wednesday evening rally. Lots of people wearing the Trump hats. Lots of people wearing Trump red. A lot of Trump world celebs showing up at this event. Sarah Sanders, governor of Arkansas, his former White House spokesperson, came down from Little Rock to officially endorse Trump for president. And she introduced him to the stage when it was time, Wednesday, for the by far leading candidate on the Republican side, the 45th president trying to be number forty-seven. Donald Trump, let's go in and hear a little bit of Trump's Wednesday night opening remarks after Sarah Huckabee Sanders introduced him on stage in Hialeah. Here is Donald Trump speaking to his crowd Wednesday.
4: Well, I want to thank you very much, and Sarah, thank you for the wonderful endorsement, and uh, Arkansas is in very good hands. It's a great place. It's a great state. Florida, great state. We love to be with you. And I didn't have to come too far. I'm thrilled to be here in the heart of Miami with thousands of proud, hardworking, God-fearing American patriots. That's what you are. Just think of it. Seven years ago tonight, on November 8th, 2016, the American people delivered the greatest election victory Probably that the world has ever seen, probably so. The only one that's going to be more important is the one that's coming up in one year from now. It's gonna be more important, I think. On that magnificent day, you didn't just crush the dreams of a person that we used to call Crooked Hillary Clinton. We don't call her that anymore. We call her Beautiful Hillary. Because we use the word crooked for the president because he's crooked as you get. You stood up and smashed the grip of the globalists, the warmongers, the open borders lobby, the outsourcers and all of the liars and leeches who had been sucking the life and blood right out of our country for years and years. And for four great years, we dealt the radical left maniacs and special interests, one historic defeat after another, because we put America first. It's very simple. They weren't too happy about it either, were they? Every day since our 2016 victory, that was some year, the sick political class we defeated has been trying to scratch and claw their way back into total control over our lives. They are working so hard. It's actually all they're good at. They're bad at policy. They're bad at everything, but they're only good at that, and they're really great at cheating in elections, but we're not going to let that happen.
0: All right. Donald Trump going back to some of his greatest hits. Hialeah, Florida, Wednesday night was where he held that big crowd. I think they created that thing in the middle of a field or a big parking lot or something rather impressive and a great scene for him, again, with – what 40 point in some cases, some, some say 50 point edge over his closest second place Republican contender for the nomination on the Republican side and great counter programming from Donald Trump and his, his, uh, his, he's, he's keeping it going there on his effort to become a Republican nominee in 2024. Kiefer Ingalls standing by, we will bring him on, but we do have a call that we're going to pick up here on the Y'all Show. Welcome in to the Y'all Show. Talk with an accent on the South. Hey, how's it going? We're good. How are you?
2: I'm uh, doing well. Yeah, I'm just curious, uh, going over the poll numbers, you know, Trump leading the battleground states, do you really think that's saying so much about Trump, or does that say more about Biden?
0: Mm, no, good question. Uh, I mean, good...
2: Because, I mean, we went from the Trump economy But prosperity and all to the Biden economy where you may not be offended if you think you're a girl, but, you know, you may not have no money to do anything with either. So, I mean, uh, I'm wondering if it so much says something about Trump or if it says more about Joe Biden and what he's done to this country and, and his policies have done to the country.
0: I would have to probably lean toward Biden because in some of these battleground states, I know there is that core element of people who are backing Trump no matter what. But Trump has, for the most part, not done a whole lot anywhere, and that's a good thing. He's been tied up in court, and he's been kind of keeping a low profile in, in in some cases. But he hasn't had nonstop rallies like he had in Hialeah. He hasn't been going up to Wisconsin. He hasn't been going up to Michigan on a, on a constant basis. I guess he's been more focused on Iowa and New Hampshire more than the other places. So I think Joe Biden is hurting himself, and... And Trump, I, I watched a, a large portion of that rally Wednesday in Hialeah, and he he's back. It looks like back to the old 2016 Trump when it comes to to laying it out there and getting the crowd worked up. But but I think maybe Trump's best asset is Joe Biden's absolute ineptness. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of
2: what I'm thinking. You know, I think largely, uh, you know. Trump, if Trump gets defeated this time, he'll defeat himself because, you know, it seems like what he does is usually really good. I mean, even if, you know, his policies and all are great, still on the border. I mean, the only, the only thing I could say against his policies was, I mean, I really wish we'd have had a balanced budget. But, you know, all that was great if he'd have just stayed off of darn Twitter.
0: Well, Twitter <laughs> you know? helped him out with that by kicking him off. And, you know, I think it's really helped him. I really do. And you're probably seeing the same memes I had. World's blowing up right now. We're about to have World War Four, it looks like, and you know, you dream of just a few years ago when people were having World War Three because Trump put out a nasty tweet about somebody.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the one side they just get so easily offended by everything, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I think even a lot of the people that you know they don't want you to offend anybody, they they still prefer to have more money in their in their checking account, prefer to not have. You know, Russia invading everybody, have, you know, people hitting uh, Israel, stuff like that. I mean, I'm not saying necessarily that, you know, Trump may or may not have actually, him being in office may not have actually prevented that, but it may have. I mean, you know, he, he did, even for the ones of us that, you know, kind of like this policy, he, he was kind of a wild card. So, you know, if you're another world leader and you're looking at him, okay, you know, well, you know, is he going to attack me? I don't know. He might, you know, so... Uh, I think that uh, uh, you know uh, a, a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world today, and a lot of it has been directly caused by our current president and his administration. And I, I think people are getting sick of it.
0: Colin, we, I mean, appreciate right now, I
2: think, we appreciate
0: you. We appreciate you calling. In. I wanted to ask you: Did you see Tuesday night's reveal from CNN? Not exactly a Trump-loving enterprise, CNN. And one of the questions they ask their respondents on their latest big-time poll was on. Who would be the best at world crises the best leader in terms of world conflict and Trump edged out Biden on that factor and then on the mental side of things 75% of the respondents said that Biden didn't have the mental capacity to be president did you hear any about any anything about those CNN poll numbers
2: no I I did not, but to be honest on that last question, my parents have a 23-year-old dog that could probably has more mental capacity than our current president. Yeah,
0: okay, all right. Another I mean, thing, an- being honest. another really <laughs> odd take from that poll that CNN did is that the majority of black males actually selected Trump over Biden in that CNN poll, which is pretty amazing.
2: Well, it, it is. I mean, I've, I've worked, got a lot of colleagues, both of them. i got colleagues of every uh, nationality or, or race. But the, uh, you know, a lot of them, I mean, you know, I, you know, sometimes somebody will say something to you and, and you don't take it, you know, immediately, you might not mean nothing to you, but eventually kind of festers, you know, they're like, well, right. what do you mean by that? And uh, you remember when Biden said, you know, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. I think he kind of let the cat out of the bag on that one. I mean, Democrats have always been that way. Don't get me wrong. You know, blacks are supposed to vote for them. You know, that, that, <laughs> as far as they're concerned, their slaves never left, you know, yeah. but the, uh, uh, but, you know, Biden's the first one that's actually been dumb enough to actually say the flat part out loud, you know. You know, they're not, that's what they were all thinking, but it's, nobody's ever actually flat out said it. And I think it's actually, you know, starting to I've talked to several of my uh, colleagues and all. And I mean, it, it's kind of offensive to, them. you know, it's like, well, what do you mean? I mean, I didn't get a choice. You know, if I've got to be black, you know, I've got to vote for you. You know, what's that saying? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not free. I got to do what you say
0: good point caller but, uh, caller we appreciate it thank you for checking in on the y'all show you sound like a good southern fella
2: I i, I was born and raised here so i mean you know
0: You're probably not going anywhere huh
2: no well i don't know depends on how much far down this country goes have to go find someplace else to live. yeah we might all have to be
0: relocating to another country soon we appreciate the call thank you Hi, right. bye All right, we got Kiefer Engel standing by, and we're going to dive into a little pigskin talk as the pigskin prognosticator is going to be joining us and breaking down this weekend's college football madness. Game days in the Classic City, getting ready for the dogs and a top ten battle they got in the SEC. We will tell you about that one and other big games. It's college football front and center when we get right back. Hotty, hotty, totty to all you out there. Welcome back into the program about the Southeast. This is the y'all show, the pigskin prognosticator. Kiefer Ingalls in with yours truly, John Rawl. The and, and I don't know, Kiefer, if Dixie's going to be played at uh, Sanford Stadium this weekend when the University of Mississippi rolls back in between the hedges and takes on, I would say, still the number one team in the country. Right. The I mean, Ge- I would the, say the Georgia. I mean, the 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 big guys that matter. I guess the playoff people consider them number two, but hey, they still haven't lost a game, and God knows when. It's crazy. And Georgia, number one in my in my opinion. Georgia's got Lane Kiffin and the Rebels coming in to between the hedges this weekend. And fun fun fact, Kiefer. So one reason I played Dixie, the now forbidden fight song of Ole Miss, is because Georgia. Many years ago, I'm talking 30 years ago, told the University of Mississippi band, the Pride of the South, they could not play that song when they came there for a game. And so for years, I'm talking for at least maybe 20 years, the Ole Miss band specifically on this rare occasion when they go play at Georgia, they don't go. Huh. There's not a band that's traditionally shown up for this game in uh, in Sanford Stadium. I don't know if they'll be there this week. Because, hey, they got a top-ten team in Oxford these days. They do. And so they'll be playing uh, that other song, a little forward, Rebels. But regardless, Kiefer, good to have you back here. This is, I guess, the biggest game in college football this weekend? I would say so. I would say so, for sure. Because you got a one-loss Ole Miss team and a no-loss Georgia team. And if, let's say, Lane Kiffin pulls the upset, which after watching Mizzou and Georgia last week, Georgia's a beatable team. They are. And with that high-powered Jackson Dart offense, I think the world can be turned upside down Saturday between the hedges. And look, if that happens, you might have that team from Oxford show up in the college football playoff.
5: Yeah, it would be a uh, it would definitely turn the college football playoff rankings upside down. It would be a you know a completely crazy scenario should it happen. I mean, there's always a chance. Um, Georgia's getting their best player on both sides of the ball. Brock Bowers back for this game. I don't know how healthy he will be. Um, he was out with an ankle injury that he suffered in the Vanderbilt game. Um, but he will be back. He's their biggest offensive playmaker. And uh, Georgia looks totally different when he's out on the field. So we'll see how they wind up looking with him on the field this weekend. What happened to him? Uh, ankle injury. Okay. So the guy He had that- surgery. uh was supposed to be out four to six weeks. And uh, it's been, I believe, three. And this will be four on Saturday. So. And his replacement's done pretty
0: good, right? Oh, yeah. I mean – we were naive to think that they wouldn't have a, <laughs> another one waiting to go. Okay. Well, George, and, and how about their quarterback? Yeah, I he's mean, good. I, I mean, you saw Bennett go off. Right. Is, is he still on the roster for the Rams? Uh, no, he's not. He's not on the roster for the Rams. So he's not with anybody? I don't believe so. He'll be hanging out he on got the rele- He got
5: released uh, for or put on the reserve for an uh, unrelated to football problem. So I don't know what it really was, but Well if you don't
0: know, then we don't well, I guess the world doesn't need right. to know.
5: All I know is uh Carson Beck, he's a he's a pretty good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Jackson Dart, pretty decent quarterback. Dart's got like seventy less passes than um Carson Beck on the season and a hundred less yards. <coughs> um, same amount of touchdowns, same amount of interceptions. So pretty balanced on the uh on the quarterback play. Ole Miss does have a little bit more threat of the deep ball, um, but we haven't really seen Georgia have to
0: use that yet. So, so- we'll see if they get to it. Kiefer's breakdown defense. I guess it's going to come down – got two pretty good, pretty good offenses. Two pretty good offenses. Um, one really good defense, one Who, – Who's really good, Georgia?
5: Georgia. Georgia. Um, Ole Miss defense, I mean, pfft, gave up 50 to LSU. We'll see. We'll see if they – that's going to be the key to the game is if the Ole Miss defense can keep it. out. All right,
0: Kiefer's not solid on – I mean, if you had to put money on it. Oh, Georgia. Okay, all right. Not by 10.5 or 12, whatever the spread is, though. Is that right? All right, so that's going on this weekend. College game day will be in Athens. Yep. Is this their first time in Athens this year? This year, yes. Okay. All right, well, we'll have to wake up early and see what those crazies say about this contest again. It's Georgia and Mississippi, two guys that used to play every year back when the SEC first expanded with South Carolina and Arkansas, and that was always a, a great little contest between those two. Yeah. And then they rearranged scheduling, and so a rare appearance for the Johnny Rebs in the Peach State. Okay, what else were we looking at SEC-wise this weekend?
5: Tennessee and Missouri play. It's uh, number 13 Tennessee, number 14 Missouri. Um, Tennessee's favored by one, so it's pretty much a coin flip there. Um, I mean, we saw Mizzou. They've looked pretty good all season, and they looked great in that game against Georgia this past week. What happened there, in, uh, your, in uh, your opinion? So, they were in the game uh, yeah. up until the very end, and then their quarterback threw a just a shameful turnover to the to a lineman <laughs> through an interception to a lineman, and uh, it was all it was over from there. I mean Georgia put their foot on the gas, and yeah, that lineman thought he was going to have a pick six. He almost did. It was I, crazy. Know, he was I know. I know. Penalty. He was surely trying his best. Tennessee. Um, they looked. You know. They've looked great the past couple of weeks. They've slaughtered UConn and beat up on Kentucky one by score. Um, but I, I mean, this is a as much of a coin flip game as, as I've ever
0: seen, really. So is Tennessee dominating these last couple of games to try to get back to some respect, or I mean, what's going on? Well, they're dominating the last game because they played UConn, and it's one of the worst
5: football schools in the FBS. Um, and they didn't really dominate Kentucky. I, I feel like they did from watching. I was, I was at the Ole Miss game, and I was watching the, Kentucky, the Kentucky-Tennessee game on my phone. And uh, Tennessee kicked like five field goals that game, and it was 33-27. to So, I mean, they're in scoring position a ton, and they just couldn't capitalize. So we'll see if they can turn that around for this weekend.
0: All right. Again, it's Kentucky. Or rather, it's Tennessee and Mizzou in Knoxville is yeah. where this one's it, going now.
5: For Kentucky, though, they've got Alabama this week up at Kroger Field. Yeah,
0: that's what I already. I was already turning the page to those cats. <laughs>
5: and Alabama's only favored by eleven. And uh, you're, this is a Kentucky team that got the doors blown off of them by Georgia, fifty-two to ten. Alabama is finally clicking on offense. They're clicking on defense. I mean, good luck to the Kentucky Wildcats. I don't think they, there's any chance they hold Alabama under thirty.
0: Not a close game. No. All right. So that's going on SEC wise. How about the Vanderbilt Commodores going to Columbia?
5: I didn't is that where they're going? Up to yeah. South Carolina?
0: Yeah, South Carolina's got four home games in a row to wrap up the season.
5: Yeah. And they're still only going to have three victories on the on their score, on their uh whatever it is, on their record.
0: Yeah, it's pretty odd. They barely got past the other game cards last week, but they've got the Vanderbilt Commodores coming down and you know, this is a battle of two losing teams, so who's gonna come out victorious? I don't know, man.
5: Uh before the season, South Carolina was super hyped up and, you know, poised to be a great team, but they have looked horrible every single week um since then, and I don't I don't see that really changing. Vanderbilt, they haven't really looked that great at all either, but mm-hmm. this is uh the toilet bowl game of the week, I would all say. All
0: right. South Carolina Vandy is your SEC <laughs> network early game from Williams Bryce Stadium. That Mizzou-Tennessee game, by the way, on CBS. That Mississippi-Georgia game is a primetime game on ESPN. Elsewhere in the SEC, the Hogs, fresh off a victory in the Swamp. Finally got a victory. They're back in Arkansas at Razorback Stadium on the SEC Network kicking off mid-afternoon. They got those Auburn Tigers coming in.
5: Uh, It should be another, you know, somewhat boring game. I mean, both these teams are lacking offensive power and defensive
0: just – did you see not any great. of the Arkansas Florida game?
5: Yes. Yeah. So it was a you know an overtime thriller um, between two of the bottom tier teams in the SEC this year. I mean, Arkansas man, I just I hate it for them, but they they just do not look great. Um, yeah, I watched a game earlier in the season against Mississippi State, and it was seven to three at the end of the game, and it was just it was so brutal to watch. Mm. And uh, I think Sam Pittman, their head coach, is probably
0: one of the hottest seats in the country. Not sure if Florida's going to bring the black uniforms from Gainesville. Did you see those? I saw them. <laughs> yeah, look looks stupid. Uh, the all-black <laughs> Florida Gator uniforms, they're going to probably burn those after what happened last week. But they're going to be having to wear a dark-colored dark, color, dark colored jersey because they got a game at Tiger Stadium. It's Saturday night in Death Valley, LSU, hosting the Gators. Yeah, I mean,
5: the big question on this game is, is LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels playing Um, He was taken out of the game with concussion last week, or concussion symptoms last week. I don't know if he wound up getting put into the protocol or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, he's the the key to the game. LSU, there's no chance they should ever lose to Florida if he's
0: playing. But if he's not playing, kind of a toss-up. All right, and then lastly in the Southeastern Conference, in primetime on ESPN2, it's the Battle of the Maroons as Mississippi State is going to be in College Station to take on the Aggies.
5: Yeah, I mean, the Aggies, another hot seat, Jimbo Fisher. A very hot seat. Very hot seat. You know, it's, it just it gets colder when you take a look at the buyout amount. But I think it's it's down to $63 million, which is crazy to say down to $63 million if they were to fire It'll be down
0: to $20 million if he loses to Mississippi State. <laughs> and that nuts. might happen. It's that nuts. might happen. So who are you going with in that one? Ah, uh, Texas a right. Surprise, surprise. Let's look at, at the ACC as you've got a, a pretty good Louisville team with a Thursday battle. They're ranked... 11th in the country right now
5: yeah so Louisville the biggest uh bag fumbler of the season you know they beat Notre Dame they were, they should have been a top team top 10 team right now and then they uh immediately followed it up with a embarrassing loss to Pitt so they've looked great the the past two weeks after that Pitt game but you know beating these three great teams in a row and then losing to Pitt on a very down year for them is terrible so they should be ranked a lot higher and you know stinks to be them
0: yeah <laughs> Other ACC contests include the battle of five and four teams. Georgia Tech heading to Clemson to take on the Tigers. Tigers with a nice win over Notre Dame last week. Yeah,
5: post-game after uh, the Notre Dame game, Dabo Swinney said, uh, if Clemson was a stock, you should buy a
0: holy heck of a lot of it. I saw that. He's pretty good with his quotes. Right, yeah. I don't know if he'd thank Tyler from Spartanburg yet, but if he hasn't, (laughs) he should. Also, you got Miami in Tallahassee, taking on the number four-ranked FSU Seminoles. Yeah, FSU's going to roll there, I would you imagine. You think so? Sure. ABC's where you can tune in and see that one. Then you got the battle for the victory bell going down on Saturday evening. Who's going to win that one? No idea. Do you know, know who i don't I'm even know about? what the
5: battle of the victory bell
0: is. It's Duke and North Carolina. Oh, well, North Carolina probably. Duke's way down on uh, quarterback play. Their backup stinks. Good luck. And the winner of that gets to paint the bell whatever color of the team that won. So, you should know this stuff. So
5: it'll be painted blue regardless.
0: You think so? All right. Let's look at what's going on in the American Conference. The Tulane Green Wave keep on winning. Oh, we're
5: heading up to uh, – or Tulsa's coming down to them.
0: Yeah, I that's right. Believe. Tulane's got the Golden Hurricane coming to Yulman Stadium this weekend. Any surprise there?
5: Uh, I don't know. I see. expect Tulane to, to roll pretty well. I think
0: he's going to guarantee a team that has their spelling of their school, T-U-L, is going to win that one. Yes. Between Tulsa and Tulane. Elsewhere in the American, the Memphis Tigers keep on rolling. Yeah, they put up a lot of points, man, and giving up a lot, but they're also putting up a lot. And they've got a road trip to Jerry Richardson Stadium. They're taking on the Charlotte 49ers this weekend. A team that the Florida Gators couldn't score one single touchdown on. Charlotte? Yeah. Man, that's amazing. Pretty ridiculous. (laughs) Navy and UAB get together at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. And also you've got – Rice and UTSA. UTSA is one of the leaders of the American Conference. What's up with that? Yeah,
5: they were they were last year. Uh, UTSA, um, a lot of their better players transferred out. You know, they did the the you know they go into the smaller school, perform really well, then transfer out move. Um, but they're kind of having a down year. Rice, though, then they're pretty decent this year. They played really close with Texas.
0: Yeah, they did, and I think they've got a winning record. All right, Big Twelve battles. You've got Kansas State and Baylor getting together. UCF. Gus Malzahn's got Oklahoma State coming in. Oklahoma State, congratulations, winning Bedlam yep. last week. I, I look for they're an top, upset top, there. Top 15 team in the country, Oklahoma State, with a loss to South Alabama on the schedule. And I think they're going to lose to UCF. You're, you're, you're hearing it here first. UCF, UCF almost beat uh, their counterpart in Bedlam, Oklahoma. And this we'll one's see. in Orlando here this weekend. TCU and Texas get together there in Fort Worth this weekend. Also, you've got the Houston Cougars and Cincinnati in Big Twelve action. Elsewhere, CUSA fun this weekend. They're actually playing on Saturday. You know yeah. they've been playing on Wednesdays and yeah. Tuesdays and other crazy days of the week. How about I Liberty? Like. I like the midweek. I don't. It's stupid. Liberty. They are nine and zero. Jamie yeah. Chadwell in his first year kicking butt and taking names. And the Flames still without a loss have old Dominion in a battle of Virginia schools. Who are you going with?
5: I mean, i got to go with Liberty, you know, 9-0, um, with the 131st most difficult schedule in the country. Notice there's only 133. Um, but they're all 9-0, and, you know, we'll see where they, where they take it.
0: All right, WKU's got New Mexico State coming to Bowling Green. MTSU has the Panthers of Florida International, and La Tech has Sam Houston coming in for a first Sam time.
5: Sam still looking for that first FBS win.
0: Yeah, I saw them play. Who did they play? The other day? They played Kennesaw State. And I saw some of that game. Did they win? They barely won. Oh, so they got their first FBS win. Uh, I think actually Kennesaw State this year is an FCS independent. I think so. You should yeah. know this stuff, Mr. Pigskin Prognosticator. Hey, while we're giving accolades, how about the Black Knights of Army? They marched into Air Force last week and knocked off yeah. the Falcons who were, who were unbeaten. And now Army, I think, has a chance to win the Commander's, Commander-in-Chief pretty Trophy. Crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah. And Air Force, you, re- you really blew it there in that. Let's talk Sunbelt for a moment. Sunbelt Saturday. Some of the games include UConn, that team you said not very good. They're going to be taking on James Madison there Jay in and Harrisonburg.
5: So they're appealing to try to get uh, bowl eligibility. They're, this is their second year in the NCAA, and I think they're really getting screwed by the by the rules. So The
0: Hopefully Troy Trojans in. have had a good year. They're 7-2, and two, and this weekend the Trojans are going to be going over to play Terry Bowden and the Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe. Yeah, Ole Miss gets those next week. Yes, they do. UL of M. Also, Arkansas State and South Alabama on the gridiron in the Sun Belt Conference, and then pick out a little FCS love for us here, if who's, you don't mind. Who's Chattanooga got this week? Chattanooga—they blew it last week. They, they did. played they Furman, really did. and they could have maybe won a share of the Southern Conference. They failed in that conquest, and this weekend Chattanooga has an open weekend. weekend. You know All why? Right. Why? You know who they play next week? The Alabama Crimson Tide. So that's why they they they've actually finished so a nice open week prepping for that. They finished their conference play and they're just taking a break off before they play the Tide next week. Nice and then, little
5: break before they go collect a check and, and then they good. got a
0: good chance to play in the playoffs. But you do have ETSU at Western Carolina in the Southern Conference. Furman, who already has clinched a share of the Southern Conference. The Paladins have VMI in the Battle of Teams who've not won a single game all year. Walford is at Johnson Hager, <laughs> taking on the Citadel, and Mercer and Sanford get together at five star stadium. Also in FCS action this weekend, want to let you know that in the UAC, that's got some familiar teams in it. Austin P has Utah Tech coming into Clarksville this weekend. Utah Tech. Yeah, which used to be Dixie State. Oh they got okay. woke and changed their name. Also, you've got Stephen F. Austin in I was Southern Dixie Utah. Dixie State in Utah. Uh, there's a area of, of Utah called Dixie. Uh, you should know that. And I'm a big Mormon guy. Yeah, and then look at look out. I was trying to find the Lions of UNA North Alabama. Their opponent this weekend. They're not playing. You know why?
5: Why wow, they got open week as well.
0: You know who they're playing next week? I think who? the number four team in the country. Floor State. They got FSU coming up. Have mercy. UNA. Yes. Good luck to them. And let's see, I was trying to find, yes, the Big South. Oh, there we go, Big South OVC. This weekend, you got Tennessee Tech and Gardner-Webb. The running Bulldogs will be in Cookville. And UT Martin has SEMO coming down to CMO. Hardy M. Graham Stadium in, in Martin for a battle. And UT Martin looking pretty good on the season. They're 7-2. and two. Not
5: bad. One of those losses to number one, Georgia.
0: Yeah, 48-7. So good luck to the Skyhawks there in West Tennessee. And that's a look at pigskin prognostication for this week. The big games to watch include... Ole Miss, Georgia. We didn't talk about this, but Penn State, Michigan as well. I don't like to talk about Yankee schools, but if you, <laughs> if you want me to tune in and watch that, I, I guess I will. Give it a shot. All right, and that's at uh, Penn State, at right? At Penn State, yep. And look look out for that one. And what about West Coast? Any? So Penn State's never beat a ranked opponent, a uh, top
5: 15 opponent at home, so best of luck to them in that
0: game. All right, what about anything on the... Uh, West side of things, nothing. No, you're, you're, you're. they don't matter. Well, Washington still Washington and good.
5: Oregon, they're still in it, but they've got no name
0: teams this weekend. So. All right, Kiefer Ingalls, always a pleasure and, uh, to see you. Oregon's got USC. I'm calling them a no name team now. Yes, well they are. They've been losing a lot. But they got three losses. Yep. yep. All right, Kiefer, thank you. Always wonderful to catch up on the football side Thanks of things having. with you. And best of luck to all your teams out there this weekend. We got more of the show that shakes the Southland coming up.
3: Baby said goodbye Oh, no one else I think her place in my life and we had something good So tell me why she would Oh, and make me cry On oh, me, oh, my so Baby said goodbye I remember how she called me I'd say she'd stay forever true Then the future looks so rosy, but tonight it's looking mighty blue, blue. Oh, me, oh my, sweet baby said goodbye. I'm oh, no one else but make her place my life. and we had something good, so. Good.
0: And a little Marty Rowe and the boys of Diamond Rio back here for more conversation about the Southeast here on the Y'all Show. I'm John. Good to have you back here. Thanks again to Kiefer for dropping my talk a little football. We're going to wrap up this hour of our conversation with a little bit more social media fun. You can reach us here on social media anytime by dropping us a little text. That's, I guess that would be considered social media, or often I call it socialist media. You can text us here, 615-208-4184. That's available for you to reach out to us directly here to the Y'all Show 24-7. And then we've got our email address, mail at com mail at We'd love to get your feedback. So we got somebody who has posted us to, to us something from Sports Stars of Tomorrow at Sports Stars TV, the official page of Sports Stars of Tomorrow television show, featuring future stars in the world of sports, hosted by Charles Davis. I have not seen this particular program. Have you seen it? Is it any good? I'm sure it is. Well, Sports Stars of Tomorrow. Has put out a little post that caught our producers' attention here at the Y'all Show. I mean, we got so many producers. I, I don't, I don't even know their first or last names. I'll just call them Producer Two, Producer Four Hundred and Thirteen. Just kidding. Sports Stars of Tomorrow has put out a post here this week that says former Pro Bowl defensive lineman Jerry Ball grew up in Beaumont, Texas. In his senior season of high school he and his teammates at Beaumont Westbrook won a state title and brought a community together. And I guess on the TV program sports stars of tomorrow, you can tune in this week and see the great story of this East Texan Jerry ball and how he and Beaumont Westbrook won a state title in that great, great season that they had. And that season would have been somewhere in the early 1980s because he attended this high school before going on to SMU as he played at SMU, let's see here, in the mid-1980s. So he should have graduated high school probably in the class of 1982. So you're talking 1981 football for high school in Beaumont. And I don't know if it's this school, but if you've ever been on Interstate 10 crossing in over into the state of Texas from Louisiana. You go through Orange, and then I think it's Beaumont. When you go past Beaumont, there's a gigantic high school football stadium that's visible from the interstate, and that may be where Jerry Ball played in high school there in Beaumont for Westbrook High School. Jerry Ball, a defensive tackle, would play for the SMU Ponies, back in the mid-1980s, and that was before they got into trouble. The Mustangs, again, a very good team in the old Southwest Conference. And he got picked in the NFL draft by the Detroit Lions in 1987. And Ball would go on to play several years for the Detroit Lions. He'd play with the Cleveland Browns, the both the L.A. and Oakland Raiders. He played with them in Los Angeles before they went back to Oakland in the mid-1990s, and then he played briefly with the Vikings, back with the Browns, and then one more time with the Vikings. He was an all-pro player in the 1991 season while a member of the Vikings, it looks like. So Jerry Ball, if you've not heard of him, check him out, a former Pro Bowl defensive lineman that is a native of Beaumont, Texas, and Charles Davis has... Evidently a big feature on Ball and his high school team there in Beaumont. The Beaumont-Westbrook High School football team of the early 1980s. Check it out. And they take high school football quite, quite seriously in the state of Texas, and they definitely do around Beaumont. So I'm looking forward to seeing this TV show. Sports Stars of Tomorrow, hosted by a guy from Elizabethan, I believe that's how it's pronounced. In Tennessee, Charles Davis, a former Tennessee Vol who yes was born in East Tennessee back in the same year that Charles Ball was born, 1964 there. I guess maybe I guess they played in the NFL briefly. Charles Davis was only with the Cowboys for part of one season. But Charles Davis, you see him, I think he's often on Fox Sports. Really polished guy been doing a lot of TV work since he wrapped up his playing career in the 1980s. But he is a East Tennessee native and played high school in New York State before coming back to his native Tennessee and went and played for the Tennessee Vols of Johnny Majors in the mid-1980s. He was a safety. War number 22. And Charles Davis, after a brief, brief time in the NFL, had a half a cup of coffee, it looks like, with the Dallas Cowboys. segued into doing a lot of media stuff, and Charles, you've seen him for years on television, and it looks like he's got not only his daytime on game day activity that he does, he has this recorded Sports Stars of Tomorrow, which is evidently a syndicated program that you can check out. And I encourage you to do that, and if you tune in, you'll be able to see Charles's profile of a great texan jerry ball and that's coming up here it looks like this weekend glad to share that information with you as we wrap up our number two of this the program about the south and we'll be back here momentarily with another great hour of southern conversation on the program powered by y'all.com we are the y'all show Y'all. It's the All Y'all Show. We call it the Y'all Show. Y'all. <laughs> John Rawl rhymes with Y'all. Good to have you back here on this program powered by the South's homepage, y'all.com. Good, good, good. As we're about to close out another week of discussing what's going on in Dixie, we've got acting news to tell you about in our headlines this hour. We got Republican debate news to fill you in. What happened Wednesday in Miami? We got that coming up. Also in our headlines today, going to tell you about how two endangered Florida Panthers sadly have been killed by vehicles in the Sunshine State, plus the Mississippi River. It's not much there. We'll tell you about some unbelievable numbers coming in from Old Man River. All that plus a story out of Louisiana as the almost Extinct Governor John Bell Edwards. He's doing something pretty cool in his final days as Chief Executive of the Pelican State. And we'll have that info coming up in our news headlines to start off our number three. And later in the program, we've got our Southern Travel Report. A festive south look at great festivals going down in the 16 southern states this very weekend. Some of these things even get going today. But most of them happen Saturday But we got some awesome things to tell you about, including the Texas Book Festival in Austin, plus the Sugar Plum Festival. Where is that? I'll let you know. Hang on for our Festive South feature. Plus, before we say goodbye for the day, we've got to look at what's on the pages of the South's homepage, y'all.com. Encourage you to text us anytime on our 24-7 text line for the Y'all Show, 615-208-4184. Email M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. Appreciate all of you who are catching us on awesome radio stations. And those of you who listen to us each and every day in podcast form, as we're on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, plus we're on Apple Podcast and Apple iTunes and at y'all.com. It's free. It's simple to share. It's simple to go on there and listen on your schedule. So thank you for all of you who catch us each and every day on the podcast options across the whole world. I actually get that data, and I want to say hello to all of you listening right now in uh, Tokyo. No, I'm just kidding. We probably have somebody in Tokyo listening right now. Don't don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't be a hater. Let's pick up our headlines of the day to start off our final hour on this Thursday. The acting strike, it appears, has come to an end as at 12.01 today, union leadership declared that the strike would come to an end and that puts all the parts of production back into action for the first time since the actors strike started back earlier this year and so for the first time in more than six months neither the actors nor the writers are going to be on strike and we've got actors returning to work today i wonder how many went to work at 1201 Now, it is odd to me, maybe it's not odd to you, that the leader of the Union for Actors, I guess it would be SAG-AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, the head of that is Fran Drescher. That's a little odd to me. Of course, what was it, the old guy that worked for Kennedy was part of that effort back in the 70s. What was his name Robert I think he was a Texan um, but he worked in the Kennedy White House he was the head of that for a long time and maybe they've had some other celebs r- lead that organization but Fran Drescher yeah the, the, the Fran is the head of that and I guess maybe she's getting a lot of ad girls today and maybe these actors are going to be making a fair bit uh, more money now that this strike has come to an end after more than 6 months this is the reason why you've got networks like CBS putting on Yellowstone instead of having original programming cuz they have run out of they've run out of programming and so they've gone into programs like Yellowstone which were never designed for network TV and have put them up across the nation on the broadcast network CBS. And I don't have a problem with it. I think it's pretty neat. There's a lot of new Yellowstone fans because they didn't have Paramount Plus or whatever streaming service that appeared on originally. And it has made Kevin Costner probably a few more, uh, a few more dollars that he can split up with his ex-wife. <laughs> but the actors strike now in the books, it appears. Elsewhere in our headlines today, more feedback coming in on the Republican debate that was held, the third such Republican debate. It went down Wednesday in Miami, and you had five folks up on stage. The leading guy, the number one fellow, skipped out on that debate, the third such Republican debate that he has decided to go away and do his own thing. What, What were the different things he's done I think on the original one, he did the sit-down interview with Tucker Carlson. So that was the first debate, which was a big deal. I mean, it got far more viewers than those who tuned in to watch the Republican debate that had maybe nine people on stage. And on number two debate that he recently, what was that, a month ago? Trump, I think, had another rally. That, that was, the first one was in Ohio. Maybe the second one was in Milwaukee. And I think Trump had a rally in in Wisconsin, I think, that same day. So the third one, I know, because it was just on Wednesday evening, the third one, Trump goes to Hialeah, Florida, a suburb of Miami, and puts on a pretty big rally. I'm not talking 50,000 people there, but I'd say 5,000 people easily in a nice stadium-type makeshift setup that they had there in Hialeah. And the raucous crowd was all behind President 45 trying to be President 47. Feedback coming in on the debate. Actually, during that break we just had, I saw an article that I meant to go back and reference this. This is coming to us courtesy of the website Politico as their staff has got an article up called Who Won, Who Lost, and Who Went Unhinged in Miami? And it says here, DeSantis, the Florida governor, called Donald Trump a different guy than he was in 2016, saying he is sick of Republicans losing. Haley accused Trump of going weak in the knees on foreign policy. But according to Politico's article, this criticism of Trump did not last. Instead, the duration of the night was spent on foreign policy, or Joe Biden are in combat with Vivek Ramaswamy, the biotech entrepreneur. And so they have their various Politico staff members all weighing in on what their thoughts were on the 2023 number three Republican debate. One person named Wren says, My jaw dropped when Ramaswamy brought up Haley's daughter's presence on TikTok. Ramaswamy has children too and is rightly protective of them as he campaigns for president. And then my jaw dropped a little more when Haley called him scum in response. Now, I will say that Nikki Haley's daughter is a grown woman. She is roughly 25 years old now. And yes, Nikki Haley should have a right to defend her child whenever Ramaswamy brings her into a Republican debate conversation. But she's not 15 years old. She's not 10. She's, she's already a college graduate, if you want to consider Clemson a college, which is where Nikki Haley went to. You know, she doesn't have any kind of postgraduate work. She does not have a law degree. She does not have a master's degree. She went to Clemson, I think, studied finance or something like that, and that's all she's got. Her gift is running her mouth, and she's pretty good at it. Evidently, it's led her to be up there on the stage talking about her heels and more as she did Wednesday night. But Ramaswamy, man, is he starting to go down from where he was when this all got going on, that first debate in Ohio, and now... We've got, uh, I guess the first debate was Ohio. Gosh, you start losing track of where these things were. Maybe the one was in Milwaukee, the first one. But regardless, his star is fading a bit. And then DeSantis, to his credit, he he's, he's not had the best of times lately, but I, I felt like if you watch this debate, he did a good job of holding his ground and putting out punches when he needed to. And... He's a he's a good he's a good alternative. He has been the choice of trumpers who if you can't have Trump, well the next best thing appears to be Ron DeSantis. I would say that's what most Republicans who are number 1 Trump, number 2 Ron DeSantis. Ron De number 2. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. And look, I just called him by a nasty nickname but I think he's fine with that as long as he ends up being the nominee. The Naval Reservist, the Naval JAG officer, Ron DeSantis, Jacksonville, Florida's on. Elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast today, keeping it in the state of Florida, unfortunately, we have to tell you today that two endangered Florida Panthers have now been reported killed by vehicles. A two-year-old male panther, found Monday near the Spirit of the Wild Wildlife Management Area in Hendry County, Florida, and then a three-year-old Florida female, female panther, found dead near the Fish Eating Creek Wildlife Management in Glades County in the state of Florida. All ten known Florida panther deaths this year caused by vehicle collisions, that according to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, Florida Panthers once roamed the entire south, not just of Florida, but the entire southeast of the United States, but their habitat now mostly confined to a small region of Florida along the Gulf of Mexico, and good news, there are up to 230 Florida Panthers out there on the loose in the wild of South Florida right now. That's great news, but when it comes to these Panthers and automobiles, unfortunately, Too many of these endangered species are taken out by vehicles, and we've had two now this week. We've had a total of 10 Florida panther deaths this year reported by authorities in the Sunshine State. Would not want to come across one of those anytime soon. As I've said before on the show, one time my brother who has property down near Lake Okeechobee, he told me that he was driving along the side of a field in his pickup truck going real slow real slow and looked out and there was a Florida panther staring right at him I don't know if my brother had his window down or not I believe if if it was down I'd be rolling that thing up pretty quick but I bet a panther just knocked through glass but the panther just looked at him in the eye and they just went on their merry way but boy that would that would make me um pee my pants if i had an encounter like that with a florida panther okay let's clean things up let's talk about the mississippi river and story out of the mid-south as at least in the memphis section of the mississippi river and the mid-south area all together it's now facing a second consecutive year of low water levels on the mississippi river as minimal rainfall has contributed to this low level of the Mississippi River. According to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, they had a press conference on Wednesday to announce that the low water is going to be around for a while as the record low water is impacting navigation, commerce, and barge traffic as well as farmers in the lower Mississippi River Valley. And according to Zach Cook of River Improvement Manager with the Corps of Engineers. The approximate value of these goods and commodities that move up and down the Mississippi River is just short of 200 billion dollars billion a year, and the low water is causing problems with barge traffic and more. So be advised for all of you out on the mighty Mississippi, making your way up and down. We've got low levels. And according to the Corps of Engineers, these low levels are gonna stick around for for a bit with the latest reports we're getting in in the mid south section at least of the Mississippi River. I I don't know if um if this is happening all throughout the Mississippi River or just in the mid south, but the data that we're showing here in recent days, the river is at eleven point oh one feet. It's down 11.01 feet, and um, I'm not really good at reading river levels, but that, that's what that's what the latest I see in terms of the Mississippi River levels. So be careful. You know, one of these days you just might be able to walk across the Mississippi River, and that would be, although kind of cool to do, that's not a good thing if a river like that, our nation's most powerful river, Is that depleted? And lastly, in our news headlines for this hour, let's go to Baton Rouge, which is on the Mississippi River. And there you'll find Governor John Bell Edwards. He's wrapping up his tenure, the two-term governor of Louisiana. The Democrat is in his final days before Governor-elect Landry takes over. But Governor Edwards, in recognition of the National Sleep Foundation's efforts, has proclaimed this week to be drowsy driving prevention week in the pelican state and drowsy driving prevention week is a national campaign led by the national sleep foundation that found that six in ten drivers have driven a car when they were so tired they had a hard time keeping their eyes open that would be me and you know what i bet you you are also likely to be in the 60 percentile of drivers who've been driving when they probably should have had a hotel room and slept it off. And although 95% of Americans think it's a bad idea, most people who are too fatigued to drive, they go ahead and do it anyway. And I'm raising my hand. I'm definitely guilty of that. The Louisiana Highway Safety Commission is committed to raising awareness of drowsy driving and its inherent dangers for Louisiana road users. 32 lives in Louisiana, lost in a time period due to drowsy driving and according to this organization over 3,200 people a year die in car crashes attributed to drowsy driving drowsy driving again occurring when a driver is behind the wheel while they're too fatigued to remain alert and according to the sleep foundation young drivers ages 16 to 25 and shift workers are at the greatest risk of falling asleep behind the wheel. So just be careful. And some tips to watch for, according to the National Sleep Foundation and their drowsy driving warning signs. The number one warning sign, finding it hard to focus on the road, frequent blinking or heavy eyelids. Number two, starting to daydream, wandering eyes, and having disconnected thoughts is a sign of drowsy driving, as well as having trouble remembering the last few miles that you have driven as well as missing an exit or ignoring traffic signs that's a big no no yawning repeatedly or rubbing your eyes is a sign of fatigued driving finding it hard to keep your head up or you go nodding off drifting from your lane i've done that that's scary also tailgating or hitting a shoulder rumble strip And then the last thing, a warning sign for drowsy driving is feeling restless and irritable or becoming aggravated with common annoyances such as sitting in traffic. All these good things to know whether you're in Louisiana with Governor Edwards or anywhere in the country as this week it's drowsy driving prevention week. (sighs) Be careful out there. There's nothing to kid around about. Sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that, but let's all be safe and let's try to save lives across the southeast well hopefully you'll be all refreshed and energetic and ready to go when you get behind the wheel to head off to one of our great festivals across the southeast when we come right back we've got our festive south feature 16 great events going on this weekend and we'll tell you what they are when we get right back here here on the y'all show talking about a little jamaican jerk festival going on in florida this weekend we're going to tell you about all kinds of fun things across the southeast here as we have our weekly look at festivals called festive south 16 awesome things going down this weekend and we don't want to miss let you miss out on any of these if they interest you you got plenty of time to get in the car and head on to wherever these things are y'all And we'll get into that, but let me first catch up with a text that has come in to us here at the Y'all Show. We appreciate the folks reaching out to us. And Texter here says, that low, they were talking about the Mississippi River store that we just told you about in the previous segment of the show where the Mississippi River level is pretty dang low, at least around Memphis and heading south toward the Gulf Coast. Texter says that water level has to be President Trump's fault? Question mark? Question mark? I don't know how, but it must be. I don't blame Trump for that. I believe uh, the man upstairs most likely is the main reason why the water level is so low. And Texter says, "Can you imagine the stuff you'd find if the Mississippi River dried up? Ooh, there would be some crazy things out there. You know, I, I would be intrigued to go to the." I guess not far from Memphis, actually, it's where the ship that blew up right at the Civil War's end, it blew up there because it was so overcrowded. I'd be interested to go there and find maybe some remains of the, the, uh, was it the Housatanic? Is that right? Um, Yankee ship blew up over, it's, it's actually the deadliest loss of life from a ship in American history, and it didn't happen off the Atlantic coast, it didn't happen off of the Pacific coast or even out in the Gulf of Mexico, it happened near Memphis, Tennessee. Technically, I think most of the remains are over near Osceola, Arkansas. Is where it's a little closer to that ship the uh, the ship that went down right after the end of the Civil War. It was full of a bunch of Yankees who had just been released from Confederate prisons. That's what I'd be interested in finding, but I bet you you'd find plenty of cars, lots of trees. Lots of bodies, frankly, if, if the Mississippi River dried up. Let's, let's hope that doesn't happen. But well, we appreciate the feedback here on the Y'all Show. Let, let's, let's get back to talking about what's going on in Miramar, Florida. It's the Grace Jamaican Jerk Festival going on this weekend. Yeah, man. This is taking place at the Miramar Regional Park. Sunday afternoon, the Grace Jamaican Jerk Festival in Miramar, Florida this weekend. I wonder if that's specifically tied into Jamaican Jerk Chicken, which is, I'm sure, quite tasty, especially in Miramar, or if there are Jamaican Jerks. Hmm. Don't know, but check it out Sunday in Miramar. Also this weekend... In Kentucky, you can go to Paris, and it's the Legends of Bourbon County Festival at Bourbon County Fairgrounds, and that would be, I guess, right down the road from Bardstown is where you'll find Paris, but the Legends of Bourbon County Festival is this weekend in that section of the Bluegrass State, uh, State. and this is happening Saturday starting at 10 o'clock at the Bourbon County Fairgrounds in Kentucky. In Maryland this weekend, you can go to to Timonium, and it's the 49th Annual Maryland Irish Festival, and that's at the Maryland State Fair Racetrack on York Road. So if you have plenty of Irish lineage and you're wanting to celebrate your Irish love, go to the 49th Annual Maryland Irish Festival in that section of Maryland this weekend. This weekend, speaking of Irish, we've got maybe another ethnic group that would be very proud to celebrate their heritage this weekend, and that would be those of the nation of Turkey because this weekend in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, at Raindrop Turkish House on Houston Street, this weekend it's the Turkish Food and Art Festival in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. That takes place Saturday from 11 until 5. So, great cultures finding their way to the south, and here on the Y'all Show, we're proud to tell you what all they are. Going on this weekend in the state of Alabama, it's the Chocolate and Cheese Festival at Heritage Park in Foley, Alabama. So in L.A. this weekend, lower Alabama, you can get your feel of great chocolate and great cheese. They're combining them both there at Heritage Park on Laurel Avenue in Foley, Saturday and Sunday, it's the Chocolate and Cheese Festival. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I bet you a lot of you love chocolate, and even more of you probably love cheese in the South, and they're them both there in Foley. Then you can go over and have a good time at the, uh, what do they call that place, the Owa place that's around Foley that has a lot of attractions, and they have a theater there and some amusement rides and all that right there in South Alabama. Warrington, Georgia, not far from Augusta. This weekend it's Sportsman's Festival taking place in that section of the Peach State. Warrington, home of the Sportsman's Festival, that's Saturday from 9 until 4. I bet you a lot of deer hunters are going to find their way there this week. Somebody that I know was bragging about a deer they just took down in the state of Pennsylvania. I guess deer hunting goes on there this time of year and all of my buddies on the same thread where this guy was bragging about the deer that he took down were asking him hey where did you kill that deer ethiopia because it was so skinny it was a pathetic looking deer i wonder if this guy shot this deer and he shouldn't have i don't know <laughs> i don't know but he ended up showing off all the meat that came out of it in another photo he, he was proud of that deer and He actually, that same guy, gets the distinction, and I'm sure all of you active hunters out there have heard of this or maybe you've done of this, done this yourself. It's kind of like shooting a hole-in-one in golf. This guy, one of his first hunting things ever, I was there that same weekend, not hunting, but I was in the same cabin, if you will, and he killed two deer with one shot. I mean, he's a deer assassin. And he didn't mean to. It was just a fluke. But how many of you have done that? I guess that's one way to save money. Two for one. Elsewhere in our festivals across the Southeast this weekend, you can go to Quicksburg, Virginia. It's the Shenandoah Uncorked Wine Festival at Shenandoah Caverns on Caverns Road in Quicksburg, Virginia. Right there in the Shenandoah Valley should make for a beautiful, beautiful setting with the leaves changing. And Thanksgiving now, just two weeks away, you can enjoy the Shenandoah Uncorked Wine Festival in the valley of Shenandoah Valley this weekend. Not far from Virginia, you can go down to Johnson City in East Tennessee. It's the Festival of Trees there in the hometown of East Tennessee State University. The Festival of Trees is Saturday from 1 until 7 at Dominion Senior Living of Johnson City, That should make for a great time this weekend in East Tennessee. In Wilmington, North Carolina this weekend, it's the Cape Fear River Watch Fall Fest at Waterline Brewing on Surrey Street in Wilmington in eastern North Carolina, right on the Atlantic Ocean. Should make for a great Saturday. Although this is actually mostly on Sunday, 12 to 4 Sunday at Waterline Brewing in Wilmington, the Cape Fear River Watch Fall Fest Going down this weekend. Ridgeland, Mississippi. The Blues will be taking place at the Township at Colony Park. Great place there. Right off of Interstate 55. But you've got there at the Township this weekend in Ridgeland. The Township Blues Festival. And that's 3 to 11 on Saturday. Some great acts coming into that little section of Jackson. Just to the north of Jackson. Just off of Interstate 55. It's the Township Blues Festival, and it's going down, y'all, this weekend. Also this weekend, in the state of Texas, it's the Texas Book Festival, and that's taking place in Austin on uh, 1023 Springdale Road is where this is going down, both Saturday and Sunday. For all you book connoisseurs, check it out, Saturday, Sunday in Austin. Weird Austin welcomes in the Texas Book Festival. How about this festival coming to Berkeley Springs, West Virginia? It's the Bracello's Caterers and Grilled Formaggio Festival. And that's in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, at the Berkeley Springs Train Depot on Washington Street. Now, let me repeat the name of this thing because it was a little bit of a surprise to me reading off the name of this event this weekend going down Saturday from 11 to 4 in Berkeley Springs. It's the Brucellos Caterers and Grilled Formaggio Festival. So unless I've got this completely wrong, I believe it's called the Grilled Formaggio Festival because it is in honor of Formaggio Cheese. And this is an awarding customer's first choice fresh mozzarella manufacturer, a, a brand named Cheese. As this particular brand is a creative mozzarella product and i don't know what they're doing there to make it quite so creative and unique but they're doing it as it is one of this company's 75 different fresh mozzarella products and you can use this on various various entrees this formaggio cheese and this weekend in berkeley springs west virginia you can have your cheese and eat it too with the Barcelos, Caterers, and Grilled Formaggio Festival at the train depot in Berkeley Springs there in the mountain state of West Virginia. In St. Joseph, Missouri this weekend, how about this? The Sugar Plum Festival, and it's taking place at the Museum of Art on Frederick Avenue in St. Joseph's, Missouri. I should say St. Joseph, not plural. And that's, again, this weekend. Starting today... It goes through Saturday, the Sugar Plum Festival in the state of Missouri. Now, how many of you know exactly what a sugar plum is? Anyone, anyone, anyone? A sugar plum, let's look it up real quick. I don't want to get it wrong, but it is a definitely a type of food. A sugar plum originated as a piece of dragee or hard candy made of hardened sugar in a small, round, or oval shape, and it's called... Plum, because it's in the name of the confection, does not always mean plum in the sense of the fruit of the same name, but commonly refers to the small size and spherical or oval shape that it comes in. And at one point in time, there was evidently a company called Santa Claus Sugar Plums that made these things and put them out. Again, this is a type of hard candy, not something that comes off of a tree. And this weekend, this man-made concoction Sugar Plum will be feeded in a big way in St. Joseph, Missouri, if you get a chance. Check it out. should be a delicious, sugar-filled time with sugar plums as part of the Sugar Plum Festival, St. Joseph, Missouri, there at the Museum of Art on Frederick Avenue. Elsewhere across the South this weekend, it's the Holy Smokes Barbecue Festival. That's going down in the state of South Carolina as North Charleston they're in the riverfront park section of north charleston just north of the holy city it's the holy smokes barbecue festival saturday from 11 until 4 in the heart of old north charleston and i've had a chance to go by there recently they put a lot of work into that tim scott's hometown north charleston south carolina holy smokes Barbecue Festival. I wonder if the senator is going to take a break away from the campaign trail and drop by the Holy Smokes Barbecue Festival and get some of that maybe delicious mustard-based barbecue known all too well in the low country of SC. What about the low country, if you will, of Louisiana? This weekend in dress... I had to go double-check how to spell this, so don't let me butcher this. Destrahan. Destrahan, Louisiana, it's the Destrahan Plantation Fall Festival, and that's Sunday in the afternoon hours at Destrahan Plantation on River Road, that beautiful, beautiful, historic highway north of New Orleans, up up the river from New Orleans is where you'll find Destrahan and Destrahan Plantation specifically. Destrahan as a town is in St. Charles Parish population just over eleven thousand. And it's again just just to the north of New Orleans, if you're looking at it on the map. Named after Jean Noel Destrahan, who lived from seventeen fifty four to eighteen twenty three. And he was twice president of the Orleans Territories Legislative Council. And so he also was in the United States Senate. And he also was in the Louisiana State Senate as well. His former home Destrahan Plantation, and it's on the National Register of Historic Places. Pretty famous home. I've seen photos of this thing before as it's been restored, and it's one of the attractions on the Great River Road that you will see there on the Mississippi River. And this is a French colonial style home that traces its origins to the 19th century when the plantation was a major producer of indigo and then sugarcane. And again, mister Destrahan lived there during his time as U. S. Senator from Louisiana. The house is a example of a plantation home outliving the oil refinery that had been built around it. Yeah, lots of oil refineries on River Road, but boy, what a beautiful plantation home, Destrahan. And this weekend, they'll be celebrating at Destrahan Plantation their fall festival Sunday afternoon, if you get a chance, and to this beautiful place in the Pelican State and have a historic and a very good time while you're there on River Road. And lastly, in our look at great festivals going on this weekend, we take you to the Natural State, where this weekend it is the Arkansas Thespians One Act Festival in Searcy, Arkansas. And this is taking place at the Searcy Insulation Company I bet you they got a big, big, big building that they're going to be housing this thing in. And it starts this weekend. It actually runs through the 18th of November. The Arkansas Thespians One Act Festival in Searcy starting on this day, November 9th and going until the 18th if you have a chance to enjoy a little little culture there with the Thespians One Act Festival in Searcy, Arkansas. And that is a quick gander at 16 great festivals and events going on across 16 southern states this weekend. You have no excuse to sit around next week and say, you know, I didn't do a thing all weekend. There was nothing to do. I just told you some awesome things to do. And while you're going to these things, you can thank the Y'all Show for the tip, okay? And we love to give y'all good ideas of things to do, especially on the weekend when we're not gathered here. Putting out y'all shows for you. We're going to gather up after this break, and when we come back, we're going to give you a quick look at what's at y'all.com, the South's homepage. It's going to be fun, and I can't wait to tell you all about it on the show that shakes the Southland. We're the Y'all Show.
3: was a hot June morning on the interstate. She was flagging me down. I was 20 minutes late. She was broke down northbound, Georgia line. I pulled on my shoulder and offered her right. Just one look, it was hard and so. We were like a river running out of control. When the Tennessee River hits a Nick Attack Dam Up comes the water over Nick Attack land Like a top on a bottle when it's ready to blow Love is gonna take you where it wants you to go When you buckle down and she's a-begging to break Well, the Tennessee River make a Nick Attack break We spent a week together in the next two nights It was a bond run and nothing ever felt so right before we both knew it, we were making some plans. Seeing rings on fingers on both of our hands. Daddy said I was crazy. The mama's both cried but you gotta tell the world when you got it inside. When the Tennessee River hits a Nick jack Dam, up comes the water over Nick jack Land. Like a top on a bottle. When it's ready to blow, love is gonna take you. Oh, uh, making
0: Interstate 24 proud. In the previous segment, we were talking about Destrehan, Louisiana, and it's the plantation there located on River Road. And my mind was saying, "I think that was the name of a band, River Road." And sure enough, that's the band right here from 1997. A song they took into the top 40 on Capitol Records, "A Little Nickajack," y'all. Pretty catchy song. And I bet 99.5% of you have never heard of Riffer Road or the song Nickajack. But that's why so many great songs back at that time period just got completely lost because there were so many great acts selling millions of records and more. Going to wrap up this Y'all Show Thursday. With a reminder, you need to check out the South's homepage, y'all.com. If you go there, you'll find articles about how to fight depression naturally. Marshall Bone just recently put that up there. We appreciate him. Also, we've got articles about how you can map great road trips to Florida. We have a great story about, speaking of Florida, how you can go to some great destinations in the Sunshine State and how to put on a great southern block party. All at the South's homepage, y'all.com. John Rawl, have a great rest of your Thursday, and thanks for listening to the Y'all Show.